Welcome to Digital Marketing Happy Hour, a podcast about marketing, technology, and life. It's episode 38, Deep Funnel Facebook Ads with Bob Rignaris, and it starts right now. Digital Marketing Happy Hour is brought to you by Araxum, your resource for marketing and technology. For more information, visit araxum.com. That's A-R-A-X-A-M.com. Well, Chris, as we enter in the new year, 2021, we will continue to have a few beverages during this happy hour. So what do you have in front of you right now? So in the spirit of the new year, I am trying something different out of St. Louis, Missouri, Second Shift Brewing. I am drinking a Chateau La Douchebag, which in addition to having a fantastic name for a beer, is a barrel-aged ale that is very good. What about you, Ryan? Well, you know, I'm changing it up a little bit too today, Chris. It's not something that it's that I don't have. For whatever reason, during happy hour, I have not really been drinking dirty martinis. And for whatever reason, during the holiday season, you know, I go through phases with the drinks and I kind of started drinking that again. But again, never had it during our happy hour. So I love a, a dirty martini. It could be Grey Goose. It could be Belvedere today. It is a uh, Belvedere dirty martini. And I love blue cheese stuffed olives in mine. Sounds good, Ryan. Well, we have our beverages in hand, so let's get started. He's Ryan Smith. I'm Chris Caselli. Thank you for joining us this week on Digital Marketing Happy Hour. If you're new to the podcast, and welcome. And if you're a repeat listener who continues to find value in this podcast, help us out. Let your friends know, your family. Leave us a review on Spotify, Apple iTunes, Google Play, or whatever platform you listen to this podcast on. And additionally, if you're a fan of Audible, you can find Digital Marketing Happy Hour on Audible as well. In this episode, Bob will break down how to niche down and target your audience effectively with Facebook ads. In this discussion, this interview, Bob's going to discuss how to get quick wins, which we know are extremely important when you're running a Facebook ad campaign, how to increase engagement, how to generate sales, and most importantly, Bob is going to discuss... What condiment is absolutely forbidden on an authentic Chicago hot dog? Chris, let's bring Bob in. Coach Bob Bregneris is the co-founder of Feed Stories, a digital marketing expert and author of five books, including the fourth edition of The Ultimate Guide to Facebook Advertising. Since 1998, Bob has helped his clients achieve their goals through digital media and storytelling, and he's eager to share his experience with you. Bob is a sought-after expert in the area of Facebook advertising and deep funnel marketing strategies. Bob, welcome to Digital Marketing Happy Hour. So good to be on with you guys, Ryan, Chris. Uh, we, we were chatting before we hit the record button. We probably should have kept that all on air, but it's all good stuff. <laughs> no worries, man. No worries. Listen, I know it's a little early as we're recording at the moment, but this is a happy hour. So it is. if you were at the bar, what's your go-to drink? You know, I'm, uh, I'm kind of a classic uh, Cabernet kind of red wine guy. That's that's me. I like a little bit of that bitter flavor. Right yeah. up Ryan's alley. Awesome. I, you know, I, I go through, I'm a beer and wine person myself. Uh, all of the holidays, maybe it was a little little bourbon got into, but mostly it's beer and wine. And I am a, uh, love the reds. That's a, that's a big thing. Kind of been on a Pinot kick recently. But okay. I, but I do love uh, some good Cabernet. Have you been out to wine country in California? 
No, it's on my list of things to do. Um, we had a we had plans to go out there to visit my cousin who lives out there. He bought a place and he's like making wine and uh, the fires happen. So we're like, yes. you know, 2020, right? I think this is 2019, but yeah, no, I definitely want to get out there. Uh, one of my clients does that every year too. You know, it's interesting. I, I went to kind of a low carb diet a couple of years ago. And so I used to like sweeter stuff. And then, you know, once I did that, I really lost my sweet tooth. So I, I wanted to go after something like with more bold flavor. So yeah, I, I love a good cab. And then in the summer, when it's nice out, I'll do a, I'll do a refreshing vodka soda. I, I like some of that stuff. So I'm a, a my vodka, vodka tonic. That's my, uh, my kind of go-to vodka drink or dirty vodka martini. Uh, oh, all right. That's the, uh, that's where I go. Yeah. Now, if you were talking to my business partner, he'd be, he'd, he'd be talking bourbon for the next two hours with you. So he's a bourbon guy. Oh, okay. Very nice. Yeah. What was it? Woodford Reserve, I think is what uh, we were just, just talking about uh, over the holidays. So bourbon is, bourbon's good. I like it. Uh, yeah. I can do it small doses though. I haven't developed the taste. Yeah. I'm a lightweight when it comes to that. Like, you know, I got to put an ice cube in it and he just looks at me and shakes his head. Like you're you're big lightweight. So it's, it's a source of contention between the partnership. Yeah. uh, No, I'm there. there I have family from Kentucky. And of course that's like bourbon. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And uh, yeah, to put the ice cube in it, it's like, Ooh, it's like, did you put ketchup on a nice steak? You know, they kind of gave you that look. It's like, well, in Chicago would be, you put ketchup on a hot dog, right? That's like, you know, can't do that type of thing. So. I did not realize that. That ketchup. Yeah. If you order ketchup on a hot dog in Chicago, they pretty much check your your citizenship, like a Chicago hot dog is all the fixins with the fluorescent green relish. And yeah, ketchup isn't even like, I was going to say, it's literally everything but the ketchup, right? It's everything but ketchup. So like some, like the classic Chicago hot dog joints do not even like have ketchup available. Like they have the little packets and they throw it at you if you want it on your fries. But yeah, if you put it on your hot dog, they'll kick you out. Now is mustard viewed the same way? No, mustard is key. So mustard, ye- good. Okay. Yeah, yellow. It's yellow mustard. It's none of the fancy stuff. It's yellow mustard, and the relish has to be glowing green. Like you turn the lights off, and the and the relish shows up. Very well, nice. Welcome aboard, Bob. It's so good to to have you. Can you give our uh, listeners just a little bit background uh, about yeah. you? Yeah, I am. Um, you know, I'm 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 middle aged here. You can tell. Uh, is this video? I don't know if we're on video anyway. Middle age, uh, I, I've been in d- digital marketing 22 years and counting. I started, I started off my career as a programmer out in the corporate world, and I, I kind of got the bug for jump, venturing out on my own. I always kind of knew I was going to do that, but uh, wanted to get some money, wanted to get the insurance, you know, all that stuff. Recently married, had a house, you know, like, ah, I, I want to make sure I make some money first. So 1998, I had my first client. I built a e-commerce website. So I used my programming skills, built an e-commerce website. By the way, there's still a client, which is pretty cool. 22 years plus with this client. But uh, my story is I built the website and it worked and it was fantastic. And they said, Said, well, this is great. Like, how do we get people to buy? I said, oh, I, I know how to do that. And I had no idea. <laughs> I had no idea how to drive traffic to a website. So like a good entrepreneur, I said, yeah, I'll figure that out. So I figured that out. But that that was 
when I left the corporate world, ventured out on my own, I've been doing it ever since. But um, I shifted from programming tech to marketing and paid advertising specifically, just because uh, for me, it was a little bit more of a match in terms of my the way I thought, my skill sets. I'm a programmer, but I, I really felt connected to things like story and putting a dollar in, getting $2 out. I really love the, the rush of that. So, you know, that's that's how I got there. You know, I've I've been on the old pay-per-click platforms, Overture, GoTo, uh, Google AdWords, and then uh, 2013 is when, when I made the shift over to Facebook. So what led you to Facebook other than the obvious of social media just kind of exploding at the time? Yeah, you know, I really grew, uh, I really grew frustrated with Google advertising. Google advertising is more of a, a science than it is an art, to be honest. Google search, obviously, uh, you know, display and YouTube now are, are viable platforms, obviously. But Facebook really drew me. Um, and, and by the way, like when I first checked out Facebook in like 2011, the, the ads were horrible. They were, they didn't convert. Like nobody was advertising well on Facebook. But 2013, they introduced the sponsored story or 2012, they introduced the sponsored story. And all of a sudden they put their ads inside of the newsfeed and it looked like a post. I'm like, well, this is interesting, <laughs> right? And you start to see more and more advertising, I'm like, all right, like I've always been good at like what's kind of the next thing. And for me, it was, all right, I got to get on board this thing. So I, I really knuckled down 2013. I picked up my first five clients. One of them happened to be a company uh, that was started at their kitchen table. It was a husband and wife. They had been on my email list. I didn't have a large email list, but they had heard me before. I'd written a couple books. I put out an email and I said, hey, I'm looking to pick up some clients. I'm learning Facebook advertising. It's a great opportunity for you to get at the ground floor. I get to learn Facebook. You get the results because it's basically the wild, wild west. And one of those companies was Boulder Band Headbands. And that company grew to eight figures in revenue at its peak in 2015. And I was the, literally the first person they hired. And so that was my calling card for a long time. And it created a ton of opportunity for me in terms of the Facebook world. We have a lot of uh, SMBs that it makes up a, a part of this audience. Mm-hmm. There's entrepreneurs and definitely enterprise. But I would say the, the large part from the feedback we get are, you know, professionals uh, in, the, in the SMB world. What are things that you see that maybe that they're doing, whether it's trainings that you, you, mm-hmm. you give and some of the questions, uh, what are some of the common ones that you always sort of have to answer when it comes to Facebook? This is funny. So um, I put together a whole training for this week. I'm doing it with Entrepreneur who published my book, but I, I held I held a series of webinars over the previous month and 80% of the questions were this, how do I market my fill in the blank business, right? Because everyone's like, well, there must be a secret for a landscaping business or for a direct marketing business or for a CPA practice or for a t-shirt e-com. Like, it, literally in the chat box, I'm looking at these and I cataloged them all. 80% of those questions were all related to how do I market my business? So I, I actually put together a training on that. And essentially, the, th- the thing with Facebook, guys, is Facebook is an interruption mechanism. And a lot of people treat it like a problem-aware mechanism because Google search is very much problem-aware people. They're typing in problems into the search engine and they're looking for answers. Well, they're not looking for that on Facebook, right? Like it's literally a dinner party. They're, they're corresponding with family and friends. They're looking at pictures of food and people and pets. And then here we come along and try to interrupt them with an ad for whatever. And 
people make this huge mistake of like, hey, buy my product. They're just basically interrupting. Um, it's like going to a party, right, that you're not invited to. You just drive through your neighborhood, see some cars and you go run in the backyard while they're having their party and, and try to sell them something. Like you're interrupting their party. That's what Facebook is. Facebook is an interruption mechanism. So you have a different job to do on Facebook than you would on AdWords. And most businesses have this assumption that, well, everybody's ready to buy my product now. Why wouldn't they? Well, that's not the case at all. I mean, look, you know, we're having this digital happy hour. Like literally if I sat down with you guys and the first thing I told you was like, Hey, I want you to buy, you know, my Facebook book. I want you to buy this $2,000 course I have. Like you, you guys be like, Bob, what the hell? Like, we're just having a beer here. You have to have that mentality of, let me make an introduction. Let me get your attention. Let me let me share with you kind of who I am. Let's have a conversation. And then let's move towards a sale. Like, we, we need to determine mutually, like, are you a good fit for what I have to sell, right? And am I a good fit for what you need? That's that's the way marketing is, in my opinion. And too many people think it is, it's just a math operation. Like, I'm just going to jam as much traffic into my site as possible. And there's just so much waste. I, I just don't appreciate marketing like that. I think it's lazy marketing. I love that example. So some things that analogies we've used here is it's great that we're using the bar scenario. It's like back in, you know, in, in the single days and you see, you know, a, a pretty girl. I got married. I got married when I was 22. So I didn't have those single days. Okay. Well, <laughs> and I'm perfectly happy with it. <laughs> I did not. Um, but it's what's interesting is that but when you see that, you don't just walk up and start talking to her and just say, hey, let's get married. It's the same thing in business. Like you said, if we were just sitting here talking and you said, hey, Chris and Ryan, nice to meet you. We're at the bar. We're, we're, we're talking. You guys seem like you know what you're doing, but I think I can provide some help. Would you buy my $3,000 course? And it's going to give you everything that you need. And it might. And everything you say might be 100% true. But it's the approach. And I, I, I'm so glad that you touched on that because that is an approach that people use on Facebook in 2021, using it on Facebook, and they say Facebook doesn't work. Well, it's not <laughs> it's not the medium that's right. not working. It's it's what you're using it for. And the other part you said I just also want to touch on Facebook creates demands. <laughs> Google ads, for example, answers demands. You know, they're yep. gonna do a query and people use the Google ads sort of logic with Facebook and it doesn't necessarily work that way. On no, that. it doesn't. There, there's very few products where you could do that. The, the exception, in my opinion, is, is e-commerce products that you literally watch the video and you understand what the product is and you go like, I gotta have that, right? Dollar Shave Club, Squatty potty, right? Like Harmon Brothers uh, style advertising, right? They're wide range consumer products. You look at the product, you understand the, the need and you're going to make a decision, yes or no. Now, even in that scenario, there's a lot of nurturing for people that like, uh, I need to think about it, but there's very few products outside of those that are simple and cheap where you could just put an ad in front of somebody and immediately get them to buy. I mean, it's like the candy bars at the checkout aisle, right? I mean, that there's very few of those types of businesses out there that can afford to do that type of advertising. Everybody else, in my opinion, is selling something that's more expensive, more complicated. There's got to be a conversation. There's got to be nurturing. And that's what Facebook really allows you to do. I mean, the technology of the Facebook pixel is essentially what allows us to have the ability. And I, I would think that just the comfortable part of like having a longer conversation with somebody. We, we have we have the option of time all of a sudden with the Facebook pixel. Before we, didn't, we weren't able to retarget, well, we had to try to slam them into our shopping cart. 
But now we don't have that pressure. I mean, now we have the time. Like, so if you have a product where it takes people a few months to like make a decision, well, you've got the time. You, you, you're connected to them and you'll be able to do it. I think one of the challenges that Ryan and I see pretty frequently is that a lot of the audience that listens to Digital Marketing Happy Hour, they're there's there's startups, right? There's small to medium-sized mm-hmm. businesses. They're trying yeah. to get off the ground and going. And these are individuals that know their business very, very well, right? They know their product or service better than yeah. anybody out there. But business has so many components to it. You've got the the marketing and sales side, you've got the finance side, right? You've got the technology yeah. side of it. And nobody's a unicorn. Nobody can be an expert in anything. Right. What do you say to individuals that are trying to kind of get their start on a platform like Facebook, let's say? How does somebody get a quick win there? Because I feel like when you have those initial wins, that's what inspires you to learn a little bit more, right? And gain a deeper knowledge of the platform and then engage in sort of deeper marketing tactics. How do individuals get those early quick wins so that they're compelled to keep going? Maybe that's a clarifying question, Chris. Are they a pure startup with absolutely no customers and no prospects? Or are they entering a market where they've got some of that? So I, I would say we have a little bit of both, but I would say one thing they have in common is most of them know their audience pretty well. Okay. Well, the, the main challenge for any business in that situation is to basically build an audience and build a platform. So part of their challenge is that they're going to have to make an upfront investment unless they have some sort of list that they could bring into the business. They are going to have to invest in building up an audience. The best way I know how to do it is through content. Most businesses, even if you're like a SaaS, I, I get a lot of businesses coming in for coaching that are SaaS related, right? They've got this new idea. They, they're trying to make a market. You know, there, there is a market available, but they're unaware of who they are. So what I like to do is lead with content. In the book, I talk about an article strategy, which is for somebody who's more comfortable writing things. So it's essentially driving traffic to your blog. Uh, what I prefer, though, is video. That's kind of the company that I founded with my partner, Brandon, is you know, video is really the way to communicate uh, these days, uh, especially for people who are absorbing your content on mobile devices. So I, I prefer what I call a video strategy, where we're going to build up an audience of people. We're going we're gonna to ba- essentially lead with content and let that filter and sort our audience audience. So somebody that, let's say you put a one minute video together in the newsfeed and it costs you like 25 cents to get somebody to watch half of that 30 or that 60 second video. Like that's a reasonably, it's, it's, it's a reasonable prospect in my opinion. Somebody who essentially spends 30 seconds watching a video. So what you're able to do is build up an audience of those people And then you start to share more and more content with them and you move them down your funnel. So, you know, the way we describe it in marketing is top of funnel, people are cold. They don't know who you are. People who essentially raise their hand and say, I'm interested in this topic, become middle of funnel. And then once they start to hit your sales process, maybe they hit an order page or a a consultation, a free trial, something like that, they go bottom of funnel. And that's where we try to close the deal. So you just got to understand where people are at in their process. I call it deep funnel marketing. Give them the right content at the right time. And you're going to get a much better response once you kind of eliminate the waste at the top of the funnel. Going into your deep funnel marketing, can, can you give us a little more, dig deep, a little bit deeper into that? You want to go deep into the deep funnel? Let's go deep. All right. So, so deep funnel is essentially, I, I, I believe most marketers uh, they underestimate the length or the depth they need to go with a prospect before they'll make a sale. Now, 
it may be just that most of the people that come to me are, again, selling products that are a little bit more expensive or uh, more complex. But, you know, think of anybody in the service business, right? I mean, essentially, you're in the business of trying to sell trust. Well, how can you sell trust after one or two meetings? I mean, you can't, right? Somebody is not going to make a decision to give you their something very valuable to them, either it's money or time or some piece of their business, you know, think of like you're an agency, right? Like I'm going to turn over my account to you after, you know, if I don't know you, no, they, they need to know you. So it's a process of going to the market and calling out to people through content saying, Hey, you know, this is our area of expertise. And these are things that might be interest of you. So you're just trying to get a sense of like, who's in the mindset, right? Again, this is not Google. So they're not typing, how do I find a Facebook marketing agency, right? You know, that's that's bottom of funnel stuff, right? Like we're okay with that. But what about the people that are just casually thinking about it? They haven't searched on Google and all of a sudden, like, you know, you put something in front of them, like, is your eight, you know, seven reasons or seven things you, every agency uh, should be asking you before you hire them, you know, just something simple like that, an article or a video like that. Well, somebody who engages with that content all of a sudden is thinking about, well, you know, maybe, you know, maybe I'm in the market for an agency or I hadn't thought about it and I think it's time. But then once they've kind of raised their hand and said, yeah, I'm kind of interested. Well, now it's a process of nurturing, right? We're going to put content in front of them for however long they need in order to kind of make a decision. But we're giving them off ramps along the way. So it's not like, well, you got to watch these next five videos before you can move to the next step. You give them content, you give them an off-ramp, right? The off-ramp would be, I'm ready to have a conversation now about doing business together, but you kind of nurture them along and then you're moving them towards some sort of sales process, whether that's a webinar, a phone call, a sales letter, you know, all kind of the traditional things that, that we're aware of as marketers to close people. And then we move them to that point. And then once they've watched our sales presentation or engage on a phone call or whatever, then we have bottom of funnel retargeting, right? We're, we're answering objections. We're, we're showing customer proof, testimonials. We're, we're trying to close that sale. So different advertising at different parts of the timeline, the journey that they're on. That's what deep funnel is. That's a great breakdown. And I think, you know, it's interesting listening to you talk about it. The one thing that seems to remain consistent throughout the whole thing, though, is the level of engagement that you're looking for in your ads. And, you know, again, the type of engagement that you're getting perhaps with some of your more top of the funnel strategies might be a little bit different than what you're seeing at the bottom of the funnel, but that engagement's still important. We recently had Salome Shalak on the podcast, and she was talking about the different value that different types of engagement have, right? Mm. The difference between a share versus a comment versus a oh, like, yeah. things like that. Yeah. And that's a little foreign to me because I don't think in terms of sharing an ad that I've seen or commenting <laughs> on an ad. And yet it made perfect sense in terms of the importance. How do you, you know, as a business owner, how do you increase the level of engagement that you're seeing on ads that you're placing on Facebook? It's really easy. It's really easy. Create content that people will actually want to share. See, that's the difference between like a Google ad and a Facebook ad. A Facebook ad that's trying to get a sale will not get shared unless it's like a funny video for an e-commerce product. You want to put out content that people are willing to share. I've got a client who has an app and it's, it's where they impersonate their pets on like an Instagram type app. All right. Totally silly market, but they've got millions and millions of users on this app. All right. 
So they put out content that is absolutely targeted towards their demographic. Cat videos where they're dressed up like a person, you know, they got a male one with a, like a, a, a salmon cigar in its mouth and like it's sitting there playing cards. That thing gets shared thousands and thousands and thousands of times. They get so much organic reach for their one paid ad, right? So for, for that type of business, right? Like a share means like, hey, this is funny. This is useful. This is cool, right? When you see a really good ad, people are tagging their friends in it. They're sharing it on their timeline. So the biggest thing with creating engaging content is just create content that people are willing to share. So think, think yourself, like, is if what I'm posting right here is like, is this something valuable that somebody would want to share? Now, if you're in a B2B situation, right? So, you know, what I do, I post once a day on Facebook and on LinkedIn and on Twitter, I post something useful kind of once a day that I believe is shareable. You know, it's, 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 a, it's a training video. I'll do a client video. I'll, I'll share a snip from a book that I've read. You know, I put something out there that people want to connect with and that is shareable. You know, I want them to be like, hey, that's useful. Thank you, Bob. You know, so if, if you're sitting there in your business going, all right, what can we put out there that people will actually find useful and shareable? Like that's the filter you put it through. And that, that's, that's how it's done. An ad that just kind of slams people into a sales page will not get shared. It just won't because it's not shareable. Yeah, I always said the best type of advertising is when you're advertising and people don't realize it's an advertisement, you know, and it kind of goes along to what you're saying. Mm, yeah. It's, you know, when it feels that is the, which now is kind of overused, but a native ad. And which I yeah. think too, especially people starting off, if you have a lot, if you've already written a blog post and I don't think blogs are dead, I think they really have a great place and you can absolutely share them through like a Facebook ad, especially one that you yeah. know is, um, you know, people have, have getting engagement on the ad. I think those are great. And sometimes small to medium sized businesses, even entrepreneurs don't even think about using content uh, like a blog or an article as a way to advertise and to really grow in, you know, get a whole new audience right. familiar with you, because I think it's important for them to build that, you know, go the sort of the EAT, which Google is all about, but it works in, in every platform, the expertise, you build your authority and you gain trust. And sometimes yeah. with those articles, you can do that. And I think Facebook is a fantastic place to put that type of content, especially in that, that higher funnel. It absolutely is. Here's the cool thing is Facebook knows like people who like to read and then they know people who like to watch. So I, I'm a big advocate for having content written on blogs and content through video. Like just don't pick one. Maybe you're more comfortable with one and like go ahead, pick one. But I love doing both. So I'm doing video ads and I'm doing content ads. I love reusing like I, I've got a ton of stuff on my blog. That's really good training stuff. People love to read and they love to bookmark that stuff. Like if it's a value, I, I absolutely love that. Here's the best thing is people like think Facebook's so expensive these days, but I, I routinely in, in the marketing space, I'm seeing like 25% less clicks to landing pages with, with blog content. So like to me, that's still amazingly <laughs> inexpensive. All right. I mean, Facebook is expensive and, you know, the cost of traffic is high, but I'm getting a visitor to my blog for 25 cents. Like, come on, you know, I'll, I'll do that all day long. What is one thing that you are seeing that people are, you know, that's critical that they're not getting right when creating their ads? Is it, is it, is it the messaging component of it? Is it the targeting aspects of it? I know part of it is going right to like going right to the sale. 
to especially yeah. to a cold audience. Outside of that, is is because there's other, a lot of things sometimes that people just yeah. Well, I, I have a couple answers to this, so let me kind of tell a story. So, a number of years ago, I got invited to Facebook headquarters down in Austin, which was like, okay, what am I doing here? Type of play, right? Like, I'm looking around and I. I'm recognizing the name tags of some of the people, not the names, the companies they represented. And I know they were spending like a hundred times more on Facebook than I was, but somehow I got invited there and I was very fortunate to be there. But here, here's one of the things that was interesting. I was able to have a conversation with, with the head Facebook engineer, like the guy that was in charge of all the people that coded the algorithm that decides what ads to get shown. He was there and he was talking with people and we, we had a conversation and he said this to me, he said, Hey, here's what I want to tell you. We are better than you, meaning Facebook. We're better than you at finding your audience. Like we could target better than you can. We can bid better than you can. But the one thing that we can't do better than you is develop creative. That's still on you. So so 80% of your effort and 80% of results is related to the creative that you choose. What I aim to do in my training, uh, in my book, is I teach people that 20% of like what dials, what switches, what levers do you want to pull so that you're maximizing the leverage of the artificial intelligence that Facebook has in place. So choosing the right campaign objective and targeting the right audiences and building better and better lookalikes and the model audiences, like get that right and then spend all of your time developing creative that captures attention and gets people to take action. That's the greatest skill that you could have as a Facebook advertiser. And really what separates good Facebook ads from bad Facebook ads is having great media, whether that's an image or a video that captures attention and connects with people and having ad copy that gets them to do what you want them to do. That is the art of it, of it all. That's the first thing. And the second thing is this, is that most people are starting at top of funnel cold traffic. And that is not where you want to start. In chapter three of the book, like right at the beginning, I start with retargeting. If you are, if you are advertising to humans, okay, which is most of us, right? Some of us, maybe you're advertising to robots, but if you're advertising to a human, you should be retargeting. Facebook is an absolutely viable medium for any business, even a Google business, if you focus in on retargeting first. And this is a huge mistake. I I do a lot of audits, guys. I have a lot of people coming in for coaching who have, have done a shoddy effort at retargeting. And that is the thing that gives you the greatest ROI, the greatest return on investment, literally spending a dollar to make 10, 20. I've got a client in the e-commerce space where he's spending a dollar making $110 on retargeting. Spend some time developing middle of funnel and especially bottom of funnel retargeting first. Get that in place even before you place an ad. Get the pixel installed. All right, and get your bottom of funnel retargeting, then get your nurturing in place, middle of funnel, and then start scaling to cold traffic. Every business has some traffic coming in organically. And so you could absolutely benefit from this, but most people are totally missing the boat on nurturing and closing people. And they all they want to focus in on is, I, I just want to get new business in. And that is absolutely the backwards way to do it, in my opinion. I want to circle back to what you were talking about with regards to creative for a minute, because I think you have a lot of members of our audience that don't think of themselves as creatives. Mm -hmm. There are a bunch of free tools out there that they can use, but what do you recommend to individuals that are getting started? Do you, is it something that they should try to tackle in-house themselves using whatever skills they have and what free tools are out there? Or 
is it better if you know you're going to allocate some some advertising uh, or some funding for advertising rather to divert some of that to creative to make sure you're getting the content right to get the engagement that you're looking for? What is your recommendation for that? I recommend that anyone that is going to use advertising as a platform, even if you're outsourcing it to a firm or an agency, is to develop the ability to communicate with your audience and your marketplace. It is a skill. If, if this is a skill that you can master, um, you're never going to go hungry. There's two pieces, of course, to a Facebook ad, much different than writing a Google ad, right? Is you've got the ability to choose some sort of image or media that captures the attention of the marketplace. If you choose video as the media, you have the ability to both get their attention and communicate. And then you have this ability to write a long form ad. Now, people always ask, do you do short form or long form ad? And my, my answer is, don't try to tackle long form copy unless you're good at it. Like you need to be practicing that. But here's the way I started is, is you really think about having the conversation with your prospect. Like what are the things you're talking about when you're face to face with them, right? Most people have some experience like getting on a phone call and telling people about their product, talking about what they do. You know, like literally we could record this podcast guys and pull transcripts out and turn some of these conversations into ads. Cause I mean, just in the last 30 or so minutes, I've given you guys some like really good strategies, some really good content that we could turn into ads, right? And I think that's what people need to be thinking about is how do I turn my content, right? Because we're talking conversations and, and education and nurturing, turn your content into ads. That itself, like we talk about engaging, that's, that's a really good strategy is think about conversations that you've had, think about content you've written. Those are what I start with in terms of ads. The other part that we do is we take a look at where we're sending our, our traffic. So most of us spend a lot of time on landing pages and websites. There's copy already written. So why not pull some of that copy out of your landing page, put it in your ad? And that's kind of a quick shortcut that gets people started quickly. Work smarter, not harder, I think. Is yeah, yeah. Yeah. We spend we, all this, we spend all this time on our landing page, getting it right. Right. We get copy and, and then, and then we shortcut the ad. No, don't, you know, don't do that. When you talked about uh, retargeting, it's a great way to like get started. Once, once that pixel's on there and you're starting to build up that audience where it's big enough, at least to, uh, to send it out. What types of ads should they send for a retargeting? Should it be something that goes right to the, you know, a discount, 20% off, free trial? Should it be maybe a testimonial that somebody says, you know, I had a great experience at, you know, X, Y, and Z. Is there something specific or do you retarget sort of the same thing that brought them there again as a repetition ad? You know, you threw, you threw out a ton of good ideas. So let me pull some of those out. Number one, um, you should start at the absolute bottom of your funnel first. So most of us have a way to close customers right now. Typically it's going to be, there's like some sort of sales page, right? A shopping cart. There's going to be maybe a webinar. If you have that type of sales funnel, a lot of us do consultative or closing sales calls and people register for those. So what, where I tell people to start is start at the absolute bottom of the funnel. So people that like landed on your sales website, webinar and didn't convert. People that registered for a sales phone call and didn't make their appointment or people that made their appointment and haven't bought yet. 
people who land on your sales, your, your order form and didn't fill it out. You know, they added a product to the shopping cart, but they didn't check out, right? That's where you want to start. So I do not like leading with discounts. That shouldn't be the first thing that you do. People don't abandon because of price primarily. A, a recent study, uh, I, I forget the name of the company. I, I, I read their emails every week, but they said, Baymart, I think I might've got that butchered, but 69% of people Right now, the average amount of abandoned carts for e-commerce is 69%. That's up from like 30% five years ago. The, the question is, well, like, why do people abandon cart? Well, it's because they're using multiple devices and people are a little bit more scattered and busy. And just because the abandoned cart didn't mean it was something wrong with your price, right? It's because people like got busy. They maybe put it there so they can come back and, and look at it later. And the thing is, people are scatterbrained and they forget, right? So a a retargeting ad helps remind them that you're there. So I absolutely do not lead with discounts. Like I tell my e-commerce clients, like we're going to go at least three days before we ever drop a discount in front of people. All right. We're going to try to recapture all that traffic for people who simply forgot or moved on without putting something back in. And, you know, the other thing is another reason people abandon is they're just one question. They have one question that they had on their mind that, if answered, you know, they would be able to move forward. So we like to use either driving them back to a page where they can answer, uh, ask a question like through a chat, or we've been using Messenger, Facebook Messenger ads. Hey, you know, we noticed you put something in your cart, you didn't check out. Is, is there anything that, you know, prevented you from making your purchase today? And sometimes people will type in a question like, you know, I, I didn't see well, how much shipping was. Can this be delivered within the next two days? You know, I wasn't sure if it was the right size. You know, th- these are just really simple questions people have. And so all it takes is some sort of interaction with them to move them and, and bump them forward. So I, I love to start with that. The other thing I want to pull out that you had said was testimonials. I love testimonials. In fact, my partner and I started a service called testimonials.live because we're so sick of poor, poorly done testimonials. But we love testimonials uh, as a nurturing mechanism. In fact, this, this webinar I'm doing for entrepreneur this week, I'm, I'm teaching them like how to put testimonials as like, if you can't think of any middle of funnel content to use, just fill your middle of funnel with testimonials. Let your customers do the heavy lifting for you. It's To me, it's the easiest way. It's the best way. You don't have to think of copy because they've said it all for you, right? Let them sell you and you don't have to sell yourself. So when you say testimonials, you're referring to, just to clarify, video testimonials. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I prefer video testimonials. Absolutely. Can, can you get as much traction with written testimonials or, you know, on sure. your website or from, let's say, people leave a Google review? Sure. So, you know, I've done some I've done some things with clients where we've we've taken screenshots of like a, a verified Google, you know, review. The thing is, though, is I mean, we've all seen this like on a sales page, there's all these testimonials with people and they really don't carry the same weight. When, when you can get somebody on video and they took time out of their day to actually talk about how amazing their transformation was with your business, like, you know, they say a picture is worth a thousand words. Like, I think one testimonial video is worth a thousand written, in my opinion. Is there any special way to get that? Because there's so many different types of, of, of businesses and some of it is a little bit more conducive to getting a yeah. quick video than others. Yeah. One that comes to mind that I've seen work really well is at car dealerships. 
happy customer. And you can always tell when you have a happy customer because they have the big smile, they're holding their keys. Yeah. And then clients that I've worked with, we would create a, a, a short little 10 by 10 backdrop. And yeah. then they sit in front of there. It's It doesn't have to be a fancy camera. It could be just their smartphone. Yeah. And you take a quick 30 seconds, a minute and that you can edit and you use that. But now not everybody's like that. You know, a doctor's right. office might not be the place that you want to, right. you know, put that backdrop, for example. For those, do you have any thoughts for those that maybe can't do something based off of it's a restaurant or, you know, a medical facility? So, so a business that doesn't have that immediate, like face-to-face or things like that. Correct. Yeah. I mean, that, that's one of the reasons we started our service is to, to, kind of take care of that for those professional type businesses. But, you know, it's really easy to kind of, you can hope like hold a contest or something like that. People are willing to kind of turn their phones on and share things if they had a really good experience. So I'm I'm not going to say it's an easy thing to do. Like if your customer is remote, you don't have face-to-face contact. Yeah, I, we have we have a roofing client that you know they they have an iPad. They walk the property, right? They go through their checklist, and you know everything is is okay. They're very happy with their roof. They can pick pick the iPad up and immediately get a testimonial. Like that's what you're saying with the car dealer, right? It's the ideal situation. So I, I'm not gonna sugarcoat. Like it's difficult to get people's time and to do that, but you have to be persistent. You have to have a system in place. So you know, automate the process of like sending out post-purchase emails and inviting them to like submit testimonials or give them a facility to do it. You know, like give them instructions. Like, hey, you know, if you could just take a few minutes right now to turn on your phone and give them instructions, give them two or three questions to answer, you're gonna get some compliance there but it's really powerful when you could do something like that. Do you ever incentivize it? Because I think that's an interesting point. Word of mouth marketing has always been and and remains the best, most effective form of marketing ever. And testimonials are a form of that, right? It's, it's, you know, getting the customer to talk about their experience with your business and then sharing that Uh, when you're doing that follow-up process and trying to sort of, you know, motivate and ask for those referrals. Do you ever incentivize it? Yeah, we kind of discourage that because then it's not as authentic. We we tend to encourage our clients to thank them afterwards. You can you know just so you're aware, like you can't like pay for a Google review, like you can't offer that that uh, incentive. But I, I think a thank you without promise, like if you can get a testimonial just from the goodness of their heart and then thank them with. I mean, you can give them money, but you can give them extra services. You could send well, them a gift cer- certificate or something like that. And just to expand on it, I'm not I'm not encouraging <laughs> paying people <laughs> to leave Yelp or Google reviews or anything like that. But I mean, you you talked about you know getting them on video, talking them about you know your your company, and that's something that you can leverage on your right. website. You can leverage Facebook, and even an incentive could be something as simple as you know a, a five dollar Starbucks yep. gift card where that. That video is going to do a lot yeah. more for you. I'm just curious, uh, anything along those lines on the, yeah. the more, I would say, legal and moral lines. Yeah. And I think it can be that simple, guys. Another great way, I mean, like, look, three of us here are on Zoom, right? You could you could fire up Zoom with your customer, have a short conversation with them. And most people, like, they know how to do it now, right? Like, most people not on Zoom these days, thank goodness, right? You could You could have a short conversation. People are much more willing to do that. Keep it short and sweet. And then, you know, hey, I appreciate your time today, guys. And by the way, you know, we're sending you a $50 gift certificate to this particular restaurant or something like that. I I still prefer 
I think people who had a really good experience with you, and if you have a culture of people being appreciative and transform, you know, that you transform their lives, you're going to have a, a, a percentage of people, maybe 10% of the people, it's about the average we see, 10% of your customers are willing to like get on camera and share it with you. So I'd like to get that pure, like, yes, I, I would do it even if you didn't have anything for me at the end. But we do love people thanking them afterwards because that's just the right thing to do. We talked a lot about things to do and things to get right. What are some of the the opposite things, um, <laughs> common mistakes that really just trip up a campaign from really getting the most reach or success it could have? Yeah, so having a poor audience is a big deal. You know, Facebook has made it pretty easy for us to reach cold audiences with lookalike audiences. Be careful how you build those audiences. I see a lot of mistakes for people like using the wrong model. So if the, the best model that I teach is use a model of your current customers, right? Like that just makes sense. But we create lookalikes of all these different things. No, create a, create a lookalike of your customers. Now, if you don't have a large customer list, ideally you want about a thousand as a minimum, then go with emails. And the best emails are not just people that opt in for your front end. If you have things down the line where people have like, you know, they've opted into a webinar or something like that. Those are good emails to use. But model something that is is representative because, you know, modeling is essentially what Facebook is doing. They're saying, hey, we know basically everything about all our users. We know what they do on Facebook. And then we know how they behave off of Facebook. So you really help out your uh, out the AI or the optimizer, we call it, by putting a good model together and using lookalikes. Now, there's instances where you can use interest-based things and things like that, but I say, hey, you know, spend time on your ad creative and use use a really good lookalike audience. Secondly, so we, I'm sorry, uh, follow I just want to clarify real quick, when you talk about the audience size uh, uploading, and you said a thousand. Now, yeah. is that uploading a thousand email addresses or is that getting it so that it matches and your audience starts out with a minimum of a thousand? Because I think those are two different yeah. It is ideal. You get about a 50% match rate and they don't tell you really anymore what your match rate is. So, you know, your thousand would be the minimum I would upload before I would trust it. And like I said, you might get 500 in there and that's probably good enough, but you're, you're going to err on the side of caution and say, hey, I know 50% of the emails I load. And, you know, these days you can put a first name, last name, street address, phone number. Like I, I found the more data points you give Facebook, the, the higher your match rate. Mm -hmm. So uh, that that's one thing because uh, people like people, you might have like their business email address and their Facebook is like a Gmail or a Hotmail or a Yahoo address. So if you don't have a one-to-one -one match, but if you give Facebook like a first name, last name, and maybe a phone number or a city state, even they can like go, oh, I know who this person is <laughs> because again, the Facebook pixel is in a lot of sites and you use multiple email addresses and they kind of know all the email addresses you use. <laughs> no, and I think that's great. The cell phone number, I think is key, especially in B2B yeah. marketing because yes. they're not going to sign up with their business email address on Facebook, but the cell phone number will be the same more than likely uh, yep. with that. Yep. And so, yep. I just want to clarify on that with a thousand because I'm with you on that. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I'll be honest with you, 50%, I think is is fantastic. Yeah. What I've seen is not quite as good. So maybe I haven't worked with uh, clients that have such a good, I've seen usually about 25% to 33% on the match rate. For um, those email, emails only? Email addresses on yeah. that too. But if it's a B2B space and some of it is that it will be harder, you know, you'll be lower on that list. You do, yeah. I mean, you're absolutely right. B2B, you do have a lower match rate if you have email address only. Uh, B2C, you're, you have a pretty good chance of having a 50% or more match rate on email only. 
I love what you're talking about with the models. Is there any spe specific examples that you could, you know, break down like what uh, a model so we can better understand what you're talking about with that? Yeah, I mean, so obviously everybody keeps a, a database of their customers and you have a luxury if you have a high volume business where you have multiple customers and multiple sales a day. So if you're in that type of business, what you what you want to do is not just dump all your customers. So, you know, I I've, I've got customers that've got, you know, hundreds and thousands, right? You don't want to model hundreds and thousands of customers because that's too many data points. The AI will never figure out who it is. So, you know, what I talk about in the book is a concept called RFM. You could build a better model by taking the the people that have most recently bought from you, the people who most frequently buy from you, or the people that buy the most money or have spent the most money with you. Okay, RFM is it's an age old concept comes out of the direct mailing business. Um, Brian Kurtz actually uh, did the chapter on RFM for me in this book, and it's the idea of. I'm, I'm going to select the best. So yeah, everybody here spent money with me, but there's a percentage of people in my list that are much more valuable, right? So, you know, the, the person to buy from you is likely somebody who bought from you most recently, somebody who brings from you frequently and somebody who spends the most money. So if you have the luxury of having a large list, you know, pull out 5,000 people off of that list that, that fit that criteria. That's a great way to build a model. Same thing can go with email, by the way. So let, let's say you've got an email database of 50,000 people. Well, why not take the people that have opted in most recently, right? You can take people that have the highest open rates, right? So they're reading your emails. And then also the people that uh, have clicked the most, right? If you can get those stats out of your CRM, like those are the emails you want to model. Just don't model every email address that came in. You know, if you don't have that luxury, take out the unsubscribes, like take the people that have verified, you know, find something in your audience that indicates action. And those are the, the type of people that Facebook will try and go find more for you. Does that, does that make sense? No, that makes perfect sense. And I think it really kind of blends into its segmentation, right? Yeah. Segment your audiences, yeah. put them in the specific buckets. And I think it's even more ideal if you offer multiple products and services. You don't want to group them all together because oh. they could be different. Yes. Yeah. I mean, if you have multiple lines of business and so you have this type of client, you want to create a model for that and then create a funnel specifically. So a lookalike on that, a funnel for that. And then if you have a different type of product, maybe a higher level that has a different type of customer, absolutely. So the, the more signals that you could give the model, uh, the better off your, your, your end product's going to be for sure. And one quick follow-up to that is what are two keys to effective ads? Having the right targeting, right? Have, have the right audience in place. So whether if you're top of funnel, have a really good lookalike. If you're middle of funnel, you know, these are people that have, have, have expressed some sort of interest in you. And then bottom of funnel, of course, you're targeting the people that did not complete their sales. Okay, that's first. The bigger thing, as we've already talked about, is is having really good creative. Like that's that's where I'm spending most of my time as an advertiser is focusing on having better creative. So, Bob, this was a blast. You dropped a ton of valuable <laughs> information on our audience today. If there was one thing, maybe more important than the rest, that you wanted them to take away, that you wanted them to remember from this episode, what would that be? Yeah, I think it really gets down to this is... Think of advertising as a conversation. I mean, 
you know, we've spent an hour together and certainly like we've developed some rapport, a level of trust, like, you know, you vetted me, I vetted you guys, like think, think of that very much like your audience. Like how, how can I mimic that for all the people that are going to be pulled into my world that, that I'm going to try to serve, that I'm going to try to make money off of. But again, more importantly, I'm trying to serve that. That's the way I build my business. So I think if you can shift your mindset towards conversations, you're going to be a way better Facebook advertiser than if you're just thinking about transactions. That's, that's probably the one thing that I would say. Just to piggyback off what Chris said, Chris said uh, Bob, this has been fantastic. I want to thank you so much, but like a happy hour, you know, as Chris and I have done in the past, it's not all work in marketing we talk about. <laughs> Is there anything that you're binge watching or listening to these days that you'd be willing to share? Yeah, I love, um, we've been working through a couple shows. Um, now, number one, don't, don't follow me, but we didn't, we weren't on the Breaking Bad bandwagon when it came out, but my wife and I just finished that like a month ago. The best series, one of the best series ever produced. Like Never. if we haven't done it, it's on Netflix, go do it. We just finished The Queen's Gambit. Um, really interesting story. We are Ozark fans. Like we can't wait for that season to come out. So yeah, I mean, I don't spend all my time uh, in the office, but uh, I, I I love binge watching really good stories. So those are three that are top of mind right now. Those are on our short list too. Yeah. <laughs> so if people wanted to learn more about you, if they wanted to buy the book, yeah. if they wanted to learn more about the coaching and things like that, where do they yeah, go? Yeah, the best way is to go to ultimatefb.com. So I set up a website where obviously you can get a link to the book, but I, I have 10 interviews there with uh, some of the co-authors of the book. So I, I wrote this book with Perry Marshall, and uh, but I had other contributors like Ryan Dice, uh, Brian Kurtz, Jeff Walker, Dennis Yu, people that are way more famous than me, but I'm really honored to have them as friends. So I got on Zoom with them, just like we're on right here, had some really cool conversations, I think. So people can go there and get uh, a link to the book and get access to those interviews. And once they're on my list, I promise to uh, nurture them and let them know about all the cool things that we could do together. So I, I just really appreciate this conversation, guys. This is really fun. Well, pleasure's on our end. This is great. So that was a great interview with Bob. I think he touched on a lot of different important aspects when you're creating a Facebook ad. And, you know, Facebook has changed with advertising over the years, but if you follow the, the steps and the advice that Bob gives, you're surely going to get more engagement, which will generate more leads, which in turn will generate more sales. And I loved how we talked about, you know, the deep funnel marketing. I thought that was a very important part of it. But overall, you know, we really enjoyed talking to Bob, even, even when we weren't recording the uh, the podcast sort of uh, offline. Really, he seems like a really good guy. And, he, you know, he had a lot of great stuff. And we learned a little bit more about him. He's a huge White Sox fan. So being the sports you know enthusiast that Chris and I are, we, of course, we had to give him some crap about being a White Sox fan. But other than that, it was really good. What'd you think, Chris? Yeah, I think it was great. I think I almost wish we could take credit for planning it this way. But having Salome on the podcast last week, she kind of focused on a lot of the interest and in sort of higher level Facebook ad strategies that you can use. And with Bob, we talked a little bit more about the deep funnel marketing tactics. And so they really work very well together because Salome will tell you how to get started and generate that interest up front. But Bob really talks about the conversion side of it. And I really think couldn't have worked out any better. And I agree with, with everything you said. 
huge sports fan, fun to talk to, uh, you know, whole purpose of the happy hour is that we're just here to have a little fun and hopefully share a little bit of information. And I think this episode uh, definitely encapsulated that. Well, Chris, as always, this is the uh, the Keep It Light segment. Is there anything you're binge watching or listening to that you want to share? Yeah, I've been uh, t- checking out a few shows. I did take a, a page out of your book and check out The Undoing on HBO, which uh, was was quite good. But this week, the one I focused on is a series, a mini series on Netflix called Away, which it's been out for a while. And I just uh, decided, you know what, I'll watch an episode or two. And I actually ended up getting kind of hooked into it. It's basically 10 episodes and it's the story about a mission to Mars and all of the challenges uh, for the crew, but not just on the ship itself, but life back home and sort of the politics of uh, working internationally. And, uh, you know, I didn't really have any expectations for it, but it, it was pretty good. I enjoyed it. What about you, Ryan? What are you watching these days? Uh, you know, I haven't really strayed too much into, um, it's weird to say you take a break from books. Uh, I really haven't been listening to any audibles or anything like that, which I normally kind of do. I'll, don't always talk about it here. I'm just so excited for, and I talked about this last week with the football playoffs going on. And a part of it is when you're, when your football team is not in the playoffs for 13 years, let alone has not won a football game in the playoffs since they won the Super Bowl in 2002. That's where a lot of my uh, attention has been going is the Buccaneers are in the, uh, the second round of the playoffs coming up. And then of course, NHL hockey starting back up again. And the Tampa Bay lightning are defending the cup, which again is something that they have not done. Uh, since 2004, 2005 of defense anyway. So it's it's sports for me. I'm excited about it. I actually like the sports because for me, every once in a while, you got to just, you know, sort of step away from uh, from everything. And, I, and for me, sports is a, a big outlet for that, especially when your teams are actually doing well. It uh, it helps. Well, we would like to hear from you. If you heard something you loved, better yet, of course, if there's something you disagreed with, you have your own Facebook ads experiences or advice, we want to hear from you. You've done a great job of reaching out to us on social media, sending us emails. Please don't stop. We love your feedback. And you never know, the content or the topic that you present to us, we might talk about during a future podcast episode. Reach out to us. If you want to send an email, send it to podcast at araxam.com. Again, that's podcast at A-R-A-X-A-M.com. And again, find us on social media. Hit me up on LinkedIn by searching real quickly, Ryan Smith Marketing. Probably the easiest way to find me on there since there is 50 million Ryan Smiths in the world. Or you could even find me on Twitter and Instagram, my handle, Ryan Smith, F-L-A. And the best way to get a hold of me is on LinkedIn under Chris Casale. You can also find me under Araxum or Digital Marketing Happy Hour. And of course, if you haven't done so yet, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and as Ryan mentioned, now on Audible or whatever platform you're listening to this podcast on. We sincerely hope it will enlighten your day. After all... It is our mom's favorite podcast. And on that note, thanks for listening. And we will talk to you next week. Have a great day, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Be kind to each other. Thank you for listening to the Digital Marketing Happy Hour. This week's episode is brought to you by Araxum.com, your digital resource for marketing and technology. Visit Araxum at A-R-A-X-A-M dot com. The music intro you heard is called Pure Adrenaline by Eddie off the album Too Damn Loud. You can learn more at cactusslimrecords.com. 
The music used for closing credits is a song called In My Pocket by Jazzer. You can find it on their album, Message. Learn more at betterwithmusic.com. Thank you for listening.